Hello, my lovely listeners. I'm Dr. Mary Barson. And I'm Dr. Lucy Burns. Welcome to this episode of Real Health and Weight Loss. Good morning, lovely listeners. It's Dr. Lucy here this morning, and I am without my beautiful colleague, Dr. Mary, but instead I have the most wonderful guest today who I am sure will be delivering us various pearls of wisdom. I'm going to introduce to you somebody who I have learned a lot of. Now, as you know, Mary and I often talk about the fact that we didn't know very much about business when we first started. We knew a lot about doctoring, a lot about health, a lot about weight loss, nothing about business. So we sought professional advice. So today I am thrilled to have onto our podcast, our business coach, the gorgeous Emma McQueen. Welcome, Emma. Oh, thank you so much. What a beautiful introduction. (laughs) Oh, well, it's easy because it was completely genuine. And when it's genuine, you don't even need to script it. You can just bang out from your heart. Why am I not surprised that you did not script that? (laughs) I know, Emma, when we first met Emma, she knew that we are very good at winging it. And winging it is wonderful, but you do need to have a few systems in place as uh, Emma helped us see. So I think that, as I mentioned, beautiful listeners, it is important in life that if there's areas in which you're not, you know, you're not perhaps you don't have all your skills, it's not your genius zone, that you do seek some help from somebody who's qualified. So, you know, you can go, I mean, we could have gone and got business advice off, you know, somebody from Instagram, but you've got to really kind of trust the person that you're working with. And so for us, that was trusting Emma. And part of it is that many of the things that we talk to you about are things that Emma talks to her people about too. So, Ems, I would love for you to be talking to us a little bit about some of your pillars just around kindness and gratitude and how they came about for you. Yeah, beautiful. I love that. I think that you already have a set of values, right? It's intrinsic to you. And when you start a business, and when I started my business, I was like, what do I want to be known for? And look, I'm very pink, as you know, and I love pink. And everyone's like, oh, your branding's amazing. I'm like, look, I just like pink. (laughs) But one thing we did want to do is we wanted to show generosity where we could. We wanted to show kindness where it made sense and we wanted to practice gratitude. They're three things that I think, you can tell me, Luce, but that we weave into everything that we do at Team McQueen. And it outworks super differently for different people as well. So, for instance, generosity. I get a lot of people who do the whole, uh, can I just pick your brain? Can I ask you a question? La, 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 la. And I'm more than happy to help because I just think it doesn't cost much to be generous and to be kind. So those pillars work out in three really different ways. But I think you would have been the recipient of some of that advice before we even started working together. So maybe you tell your listeners what you thought. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. And this is exactly it. I said to Em, well, I I messaged her a couple of times. I had heard of her through a a mutual acquaintance who is Femims, who is in fact a beautiful brand photographer. So for those of you who have seen our website or our socials, the wonderful photos were taken from Fee and I knew that Fee knew Emma. So this is where I think trust comes in. I trusted Fee, therefore I trusted Emma. And anybody Emma has recommended to us, you know, I trust them as well. So I asked Emma a couple of questions before I really knew her and she was so generous with her advice and responses that that made me go, oh, my God, I love this girl. I've got to work with her. (laughs) 
And so I found that really helpful. And I think that hopefully, you know, Mary and I have a similar ethos because we are the same. I think that it's really important that you help people like you're in service first. And then people go, yeah, I love them. I want to work with them. Yeah, absolutely. That's how it goes, isn't it? I mean, I think that everyone forgets that generosity should be the first thing, not selling. You know, everyone goes straight into sell. And I'm like, well, have you developed a relationship? Have you been generous back? Have you given back before you've asked anything? You know, like it's just common sense to me, I think. But I think it doesn't cost much to be generous, especially to other women in business, especially. Yeah, absolutely. And one of my favourite sayings, which is not my quote, but a quote that I love banging on about is that a rising tide lifts all boats. Yes. And I think it's helpful, you know, in, in any aspect of life, which is part of why community is so important. And Emma has a wonderful community. Tell them your name, the name of your community, Emma, because it's brilliant. Oh, my community is Thriving Women because doesn't everyone want to thrive? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, um, you know, building a community is so, you know, it's, it's really important in both business, in, in health, in weight loss, in anything, because people who feel lonely and isolated get stuck in their head sometimes. Yeah, totally. Totally. Especially now, you know, we've had this epidemic and there was already a loneliness epidemic before the other pandemic happened. And now it's just as it's more magnified, right? If you don't have a community of people, you really see people's mental health shift. Yes, absolutely. It's really interesting. I was talking to another person the other day about she um, wanted to know about business and and somehow we got talking about weight loss. Oh, God knows why. Not like I'm passionate <laughs> about or anything. But we did talk a little bit about some of the similarities in that you do need to have some expert advice. You do need a community. And you need somebody to be your cheerleader. Yeah, yeah. And I'd love your thoughts, Em, on why cheerleading is so helpful. Oh, my goodness. Cheerleading is so helpful because we, as women, don't talk to ourselves that nicely. So, you know, that old imposter syndrome in a critic kind of gets in the way. And sometimes having a cheerleader balances that out when we can't balance it out ourselves. And having a community of people also means accountability, right? So I did a coaching group yesterday. There was five of us. And I said, how did you go last month, et cetera, et cetera. And one of the ladies said, yep, I did my things. And I looked at her and she went, I did them this morning because I knew you were going to ask. Right? It's all about accountability and community. But if you can do that in a nice way, then that all kind of works out for people. And I think think the cheerleading, sometimes I get the comment that I – almost hold faith that someone's going to do well before they do well. And that's the nicest compliment you can get as a business coach, actually, because, you know, you have the faith that they can do it. They just don't see their own brilliance. And then you hold the space and then they catch up and they're like, okay, I'm here. And I'm like, great, I've been holding this space for you. And that cheerleading is so important for women in business. Absolutely. And, yeah, I mean, I'm sure you've seen many transformations of women that perhaps came in with, you know, self-doubt, that nasty inner critic that will tell them they're not good enough, they haven't done enough, they haven't studied enough, they haven't, you know, they're not pretty enough, you know, they're too young, they're too old, they're too skinny, they're too fat, all the twos. All the twos, yeah. It sucks. It sucks. And sometimes you just need lots of cheerleading to balance that out. Mm, Absolutely. Which is kind of what we find in the community. Yeah, beautiful. I love that. And 
When we were in, so Mary and I were in Thriving Women, thriving our little hearts out. Um, (laughs) You did thrive your little hearts out, just saying. Yeah. (laughs) Well, part of it was also that, you know, it's interesting. Sometimes, you know, we get asked to do something. So this isn't just me. This is anybody. You get asked by somebody to do something and you kind of got two options. You can go get stuffed. I'm not doing that. Or, okay, I'll give that a crack. And the thing that determines, for me anyway, which response you give depends again on your relationship with the person who's doing the asking. So if you trust and value that person and they go, try this, you go, okay, I'm going to give it a crack. Yeah, totally. For us, that was that was so important because, yeah, if we didn't value you or didn't like you and you'd said, try this, I'd go, I don't think so. I'm not doing that. <laughs> So it does. It makes a big difference to actually be trusting the person. And I think that goes back to that thing that you were saying, therefore, with generosity, your people do learn to to trust you. Yes. And it's interesting because we were having a chat in Thriving Women the other day, this year's Thriving Women cohort, about how they're doing business with each other, but not in that kind of icky way you have to refer business to each other. And then someone said, and no one asks for a discount. And I thought to myself, of course, no one asks for a discount. We're in Thriving Women. It's all about valuing yourself. I don't promote for asking for a discount. That's just not my thing. And it made me really reflect, actually, as a leader in Thriving Women, they're taking their cue from me. You can work with someone if it makes sense. Just don't ask for a discount because that's not cool because that's actually not women supporting women. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was a bit of a revelation for me because I'm like, I just made an assumption, of course, that's the way it is because that's the way I am. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And you would be the same in your community. People are watching everything that you do and role modeling that. Yeah, absolutely. Every now and then when I rock up on a Facebook Live with, you know, wet hair, I think, oh, and then I think, you know what, it doesn't matter. I'm not perfect. Exactly. It doesn't have to be perfect. Exactly. Now, one of the other things, I was segueing into something within that Thriving Women community that I then almost forgot, but now I'm going back to it, <laughs> okay. which uh, was our Grateful Fridays. Yes. So talk to us a bit about that, Ems. Yes. Well, Grateful Fridays is a very important part of my life in general. And actually how it started was around the meal table, we have run a competition. Uh, So I have three daughters and a husband and we run a competition. It's who can get their butt on the seat first. And the person that yells out best part, grateful parts gets to choose the person that goes first. And the competition is tell us what the best part of your day is. Tell us what you're grateful for and tell us the kind thing that you did for someone else today and obviously that's a bit long to do in kind of a video or in Thriving Women or whatever, but I really wanted the gratitude practice or the gratitude pillar to remain in Thriving Women. And so Grateful Friday was all about, like, just take a moment to be present and go, actually, what am I grateful for today? I also have my own gratitude practice, which is when I go to sleep at night. Before I go to sleep, I think about three things I'm grateful for, and I do that again when I wake up in the morning because I think gratitude just has this beautiful way of making you get present and it makes you one be grateful but also even if it's for the smallest thing you know you can be grateful the sun's shining if you've seen a beautiful butterfly you know like there are just so many things to be grateful for and it's you know it goes to the abundance mindset right a bit of woo woo but I also think if you're not grateful what are you what's the opposite of grateful yeah Absolutely. Yeah. I would like to know the opposite of grateful now that I've said that. Yeah. Ungrateful. Ungrateful. Yeah. But ungrateful then is so negative, isn't it? Isn't it? And does anyone want to be around an ungrateful person? I don't think so. No. 
So Grateful Fridays have been uh, really good and it has forced all of us to stop and go, what are we grateful for? Even in a pandemic, even when stuff is going badly, you can always take a minute to go, okay, what am I actually grateful for? And so I love it. And everyone loved it really, didn't they? Oh, totally. And I think, you know, when you first do it, you feel like a bit of a tot, you know, just getting on and saying, oh, I'm grateful for, and, you know, you, say, you know, I'd be there going, oh, what am I grateful for? I'd have to kind of wreck my brains. It felt <laughs> a little kind of awkward, a bit uncomfortable. It's not something I'm used to. And it's like, really, I don't I really want to do this. And there was resistance, which I think is also normal when we're developing new skills. But after a while, it started to be that thing where, right, I'd in my head, Something had happened on Tuesday and I think, oh, okay, and I'd write it down so that I could share it on Friday. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) See, it makes you become more present and it makes you almost, you know how they say to parents, look for the good, don't look for the bad because you find if you look for the bad, you'll find the bad and if you look for the good, you'll find the good. So it almost makes you go, okay, we've got to look for the good. Where's the good? And then you see more good and you just, and then it becomes super easy because you're like, oh, I'm grateful for this and this and this. It's sweet. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, that reminds me a little bit of that concept about the gap, you know, when people focus on, so they've got a goal they're aiming for and they may fall short of that goal by a certain amount. And again, this can be any sorts of goals. And then you focus on the gap, the bit that you failed, not the bit that you achieved. Oh, and as women in business, we do that all the time. Just as women in general, actually, we're like, oh yeah, we achieved that almost. (laughs) Actually, we hit the goal. We just you know, there's some bits that we didn't know and we jumped over those bits. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's so interesting, isn't it, how we do get, we get programmed to look for the gap, like the failure, look for the bit that we haven't quite measured up, you know, and so many people will come and say, oh yeah, you know, I've lost 20 pounds or 15 kilos, but I still need to lose more and more. And it's like, just stop with the butt and just acknowledge your win. Yeah. Full stop. Yeah. I've lost this much weight. Yeah. 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 You Yeah. I've reversed my fatty liver and they'll go, oh, yeah, but I've still got a bit more. Yeah. No, no. Just stop. Just, <laughs> I've done Well, it. that must be tough. I can imagine you doing that. You, it reminds me a lot. You know, I'm of the vintage that they used to have a cane at school, you know, where they used to wrap across it. It reminds oh, yes. me of that. You're like, stop, stop. Just, yeah. Just, it's yeah, good. Just, don't worry about it. Just don't, yeah. No need to qualify it. No need to say, yeah, but I've still got to, no, just accept, accept yeah. your win. But is that a human thing where we're like, always striving so we don't stop and just celebrate that small win? Uh, It could be, I think, certainly female thing. Women in particular, I think, tend to, and maybe a perfectionist thing as well, perfectionists will look because it wasn't perfect, therefore it was rubbish. We talk a lot about that in people's eating styles. If they're, they're either eating perfectly, you know, weighing, measuring, counting, all the things, or they're just on a bender. Yeah, right. Okay, all or nothing. Yeah, all or nothing. Yeah. And um, and that happens in business too, I reckon. Oh, I reckon too. And interestingly, the all or nothing needs a reframe because if you're all or nothing, it means you fail constantly. And who wants to do that? That sucks. So it's almost like, okay, well, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. It's almost like dropping your expectations. I'm going to be mediocre at this and that's okay. You know, like resetting it so that you don't have to sit there and be perfect, especially when you haven't done it before. <laughs> Absolutely. A bit like us learning to be great, you know, saying saying our grateful things, how weird it felt. So, yeah, learning new things is hard. And, and if you expect that you're going to make a few mistakes, well, that's good because then when they come along, you go, oh, good, that's one mistake down. <laughs> Tick. <laughs> When's the next mistake? Good. Done. Excellent. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's like my 100 no challenges. So I've got a group of students that I mentor and they have to get 100 rejections on the phone. Oh. I know, right? <laughs> so the challenge isn't to get sales. The challenge is to get 100 rejections. No one's got there. Closest we've got to is 89. Wow. I know. Gosh, no one's got yeah. there. So it's like reframing the brain and just making it a bit of a hack and making it a bit fun. You know me, I'm a bit playful. I'm like, yeah, but what would happen if we got 100 rejections? Like how much would it hurt by the time you get to the 100th? And they report after about 50, it doesn't hurt at all. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and I think that's absolutely right, isn't it? That idea that if you, when you get used to feeling that uncomfortable feeling, the more you feel it, well, then it becomes just a normal feeling. Yeah, that's exactly right. Totally. It's like riding a bike, isn't it? Correct, correct. Now, the other thing I know that you've incorporated into your life is meditation. Yes. Yeah. So talk to us about that. When? How long have you been meditating and when and why did you start? Yeah, good questions. I've always been an on and off meditator, so let me start there. I've got a very busy brain and so I just did it on and off for probably five years. And then about two years ago, maybe three years ago, I went, you know what? I wonder whether meditation could be game changing if I allowed it to. And it didn't feel like it was a very hard thing to wrap my head around. And so I just started with some small, like five minutes to start with and then 10 minutes because I don't know anyone that goes, oh, I haven't meditated, so I'm going to meditate for an hour. <laughs> I know, I know. It's, that's, yeah. that's bad. That's setting yourself up to fail. But the other thing about meditation for me is I like guided meditations and it was a way of me grounding myself and the time of day was important to me. So I decided to do it at the beginning of the day before the family was up because I hear so many women in particular say that they don't get any me time. And if you leave stuff to the end of the day, you never get that me time or you give up sleep for that me time and that me time turns into a social media rabbit hole, right? So I went, okay, I'm going to be deliberate about this. So I got up a bit earlier and I made a cup of tea because, you know, I love my cups of tea, as do you now. <laughs> I know. And for those of you who have been playing along at home and, you know, I've been banging on about my fancy cups, I have to absolutely thank Emma for introducing me to the fancy cup. I can't believe I didn't put that in my introduction because, and I know we're banging on a bit about Thriving Women, but when we joined Thriving Women, we got the most wonderful, like amazing sort of goodie bag hand-delivered. And in it was my very first fancy teacup and saucer. So um, when I'm destitute on the streets because I've spent all my money on teacups, <laughs> I can hold you to account. Oh, thank you. I love your teacups. I love watching them on stories. I love watching them on Instagram. And I love knowing that I converted you to a great teacup. I know. Because doesn't tea taste better in a good teacup? Ah, oh, to the ridiculous point, and it's not, I don't think it's ridiculous, to the point where I can only drink tea in a fancy cup and coffee cannot go in my teacup. That's ridiculous. That's no, right. coffee never goes in the But tell me, what happens if you're out and about? Do you take your own teacup? I have been known to. I have certainly been known to. We've certainly, and we've just bought a new caravan and in it, whilst we've got sort of, you know, non-breakable plates and other things, I have bought two special fancy teacups that are all wrapped up just for the van. There you go. I've got another thriving woman who brings her teacup everywhere. Yeah. On retreats to workshops, she brings it everywhere. Fantastic. <laughs> she just likes drinking out of it and who's to blame it? Anyway, so I make myself a beautiful cup of tea and normally the dog sits on my lap. I have a little Maltese, so it's not a big deal. 
and I meditate for somewhere now, somewhere for 20 to 30 minutes. When I first started, it was like almost as long as the cup of tea stayed hot. And as the time's gone, and then a year in, I was like, all right, how do I up my ante on this? And so I decided to do an hour of meditation, but not at the same time. So I might do three 20-minute bits across the course of the day, or I might do two halves, or if I'm really feeling fancy, I'll do an hour. But what it's done for me, I think it is game-changing. I think it's life-changing. I kind of feel, I mean, it's so cliche, but I do feel grounded when I finish my meditation in the morning. And I know that I can take some time during the middle of the day if I need to, five minutes, 10 minutes to do some more meditation. And it just, I'm sure there's a doctor way of looking at this, but it it lowers your stress levels because I don't know why, maybe you can tell me, but it lowers your stress levels. And it also just brings you back to, is it really that bad? <laughs> and I think that's the thing for me, the mindfulness, the meditation, the gratitude, the kindness, they all now go hand in hand. Like I can't do one without the other. It's kind of like a jigsaw puzzle. But is that what happens when meditation happens? Yeah, absolutely. So meditation has lots of physiological benefits on the body so that, you know, whilst it's sort of a brain activity, it then talks to our, you know, our brains and our bodies are actually connected. Who who knew? And so the physiological response of reducing your cortisol in particular happens when we meditate it it actually has and I mean there's with Mez and I've done a couple of um, podcasts on this but it has lots of physiological benefits so it reduces your blood sugar it reduces your cortisol levels it makes your platelets less sticky so your platelets become sticky with stress wow which is yeah I know who knew so you know plate and the reason for that is again if in the olden days when we were stressed it's because we were running from a predator and so if the predator gored you you know this would help you hopefully stop bleeding to death but wow i didn't know yeah. that sticky blood thing that's cool. yeah heaps i know relaxes um you know your blood vessels so your blood pressure lowers reduces the rate your heart beats so your heart rate slows it's yeah it's highly you know the the studies on it there's billions of them but here's the thing and you probably found this too particularly with the whole off again on again is that when we're starting our brain doesn't really want to do it. It kind of tries to talk you out of it. Yes, it does. It really does. So did you find that? Yes, of course, of course. You know, and someone said to me yesterday, oh, I couldn't do meditation. My mind's so busy and I let it go through to the keeper. But what I wanted to say is, well, that's the exact reason you need to do it. Yeah, and actually everybody's mind is busy. Like it, people think they're, it, it, our brain is designed to think. It's a thinking machine and it is busy. And so the idea is that, and again, your brain will go, oh, I don't want to do that because it likes to be thinking about things. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Consuming information, reading, scrolling, whatever. And then when you sit there for just however long, it starts going, oh, hang on, hang on, hang on. I don't like this at all. Yeah, yeah. I'm not, you're not feeding me anything. And I think that's, that's why I like guided meditation. So I have done meditation, which is just breath work. And what I found in the first instance is that guided helped me focus on the words and so that really helped me because I was like oh I can't sit still for longer than five minutes and I worked up to it like if people say to me now how do I start I'm like a minute just do a minute see how you go and then just do two minutes and see how you go and eventually you'll be doing 20 minutes and they look at me like I'm a unicorn and I'm like trust me it really works and I suppose they get the benefits because it lasts for quite a long time kind of like exercise right you go for a run you feel the benefits for a few hours I feel like that with meditation 
And so I fully encourage all of my clients to do it because it's almost, you know, when you've had a bad day and someone, your mum used to say to you, oh, things will look brighter in the morning. (laughs) <laughs> right they used to say that I don't know what yeah. I don't even know why but anyway I'm like oh do meditation it'll look better after you've done, yeah, meditation. Yeah, after you've done it yeah yeah and that seems to have work for them so I just have stuck with it because discipline is my one of my strengths as you know Luce and I'm very consistent so the first year I did it I had a, a app on my phone where I had to log it and I was like okay I have to log 365 days right? So I logged the 365 days and I'm like, yes. And now I don't have to do that. I don't feel compelled to do that, but it just created that beautiful habit. And it was while we were in COVID as well. So there was a bit of extra stress around. Yeah. But you know what I love about that thing that you just said about logging it on an app is it's you getting accountability. You're getting accountability to yourself, but you're using an app to demonstrate to yourself and get that feedback. Yes, I've done it. Yes, yes, yes. And then you were your own cheer squad about it. I know. Well, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty good cheer squad to others and I think I'm a pretty good cheer squad to myself too sometimes, Lucy. I think you are. <laughs> and I think that and we all could be. Like it's so wonderful, isn't it? Totally. Oh, it's much better than beating yourself up. No one wants to beat themselves up. Ah, it's <laughs> hard they? though. No, I don't think anyone wants to, but they do. And I think it's interesting. We often talk about why do we do it and we do it because we think that it will motivate us somehow that if we say to ourselves, oh, you freaking idiot, you're just a moron, next time you're going to do it better, we go, yeah, yeah, and we feel that it'll, but it doesn't. No. Oh, it just it just compounds it really because, you know, what you say out loud kind of happens, right? And so if you're just telling yourself that you're that and then that kind of happens, you still do, you keep doing things that the brain has said, oh, well, you've told yourself you're a freaking idiot, so I'm going to make sure that that's what happens. Absolutely. Oh. And it's funny, I love the uh, um, analogy I think often about that is that when I used to ride a bike, if there was a pothole and you could see it and you go, I don't want to go in the pothole, I'm not going and I'm not always going in the pothole. Yeah. (laughs) Totally, totally. It's like when you say to your children, so my mum and dad, so I was clumsy, and they were always like, you're so clumsy, you're so clumsy, don't drop that glass of water immediately smash the glass of water you know whereas and and you've got to reprogram your brain so for me now being a mum I'm like just probably walk that way as opposed to don't run you know like because our brain doesn't compute those don'ts it just tells you yeah what it is so I think it's so important to speak nicely to yourself and to others (laughs) yeah totally and I think um it really helps then thrive for everyone thriving because you know at the end of the day Mary and I are always talking about at the end of the day, all a human wants to do is feel better. Totally. And feeling better is part of that is thriving and doing that in a way that is helpful to you and the people around you. That's kind of like you're winning at humanness. <laughs> you're winning at humanness. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is kind of like you're winning at humanness. Yes. <laughs> and you might be impacting other people too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And that's really what being a good human is about. I think so. I think there's a ripple effect, right? I think when you're looking after yourself, you're then looking after others and, you know, like it's all a big ripple effect. As we know, being a mum can be all-encompassing really, can't it? And if you're not looking after yourself, who's going to look after you? Probably no one. (laughs) So you really need to look after yourself. And that's the whole point of having some time to yourself first thing in the morning, right? No one else is going to say you should take some time. I mean, unless you've got a unicorn partner. (laughs) Yeah. You know, we've got to take responsibility for our own time ourselves. Absolutely. 
And you know what I love too when you said that you were doing your meditating was you didn't just kind of say I'm going to do it and we should, you know, hope it happens. Like you were really intentional about, right, well, this is – this is when I'm going to do it and this is how I'm going to do it and this is for how long I'm going to do it. So, you know, that whole bit of a SMART goal acronym in there and therefore it happened. Yeah, because I think you've got to, if you're going to create a habit, it doesn't just happen. Like down to the, t- the cup of tea, I, the, the actual teacup that I was using every morning, you know, like I, in my brain I went, here's what time I'm going to get out of bed, here's what I'm going to do, here's what I'm going to do next. I almost stacked all the habits to get me sitting on that couch with a dog in my lap and a cup of tea. And I think when you're starting something new, you have to do that. It has to be that scripted. Otherwise, it just doesn't happen. Like we just leave stuff to chance. Yeah. I'm sure there's some fancy saying that I can't quite remember about a a wish without a plan is just a wish or something like that. Or a goal without a plan is just a wish. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So you've actually got a book, Em. I do. <laughs> Tell us a bit about your book, yes. Oh, I do. And you know what else? It's just been released on Audible. Oh, huzzah. So, oh, my goodness, you can get me in your ears if you really want that. <laughs> oh, beautiful, beautiful. So tell us about your book because it is um, – so, Em, uh, well, no, I'll let you talk about it and then I'll, I'll – Oh, no, you go. I would love to hear what you say. <laughs> well, I was going to say that um, the book is about go-getters and I probably I probably would describe myself as a go-getter, a go-getter as somebody who has a – has something and goes and gets it <laughs> but <laughs> it gives lots of practical advice on it and I know that you are really passionate about habits and forming habits and those sorts of things as well so I'd love you to tell us about your book beautiful well my book is called Go Getter, amazingly and it's about raising your mojo and thriving and it's about the 12 myths women especially tell ourselves and that basically they're BS. And it talks about the 12 truths that we need to replace them with. So, you know, it talks about I don't have enough time. And so it talks about actually what does that mean if you don't have enough time? It talks about listening to your inner critic and choosing the voice that you listen to. And it's been amazing because it's made up of stories of women that I've coached across the years and also of their case studies and their struggles and I went out and did some research on it and bits and pieces and it's written by a woman for women who understand the juggle of just being a woman you know we've got aging parents we've got little kids we might have bigger kids we might run a business we might be in a leadership role in an organization but there's always something for someone that it resonates with. And at the end of each chapter, we do something called Keep, Stop, Start, which is just a bit of a reflection exercise where you go, okay, well, what's working? What do I need to keep doing? What's not working? What do I need to ditch or stop doing? And what do I need to start doing? And I have to say that for the last probably two years, the keep doing for me is just meditation. It's just meditation. Wonderful. Each time. Yes. <laughs> because don't fix what ain't broken, you know. And we don't stop enough things. I see it time and time again when women put more and more things on their plate, but they don't take anything off. And I don't mean their food plate. I just mean I know. their plate. <laughs> well, interestingly, we talk a lot about the idea that the concept of too much on your plate is one of the triggers for gaining weight because too much on your plate refers to stress overwhelm. Yes. You know, and it's a really interesting because stress and overwhelm increase your cortisol, which is part of weight gain. And I love language because I love the idea that we call it too much on your plate. We don't say, oh, you've got too many shoes in your shoe rack or you've got too many cars in your car park. It's literally you've got too much on your plate. 
And you're absolutely right that in order to lose weight, you take less off your plate, but in order to reduce your stress and overwhelm, you do. You have to take some things out, you know, boot something off. Oh, yeah. And I see it happen in organisations as well, right? I go into an organisation, they go, we've got a strategic plan. And I think, oh, my goodness. And I think, okay, I say to them, oh, how many things are on your strategic plan? Oh, 20. I'm like, oh, okay. What did you say no to? And they're like, what? I'm like, as you were thinking about your strategic plan for the next year, what did you say no to? I mean, like, well, we said no to nothing. I'm like, okay, so is your strategic plan just a dumping ground? Like they don't really understand the significance of saying no and making choices. Like you have to say no to things in order to let the good stuff in. Yes, everything you say yes to is a no to something else. Exactly, exactly. And I don't think people quite understand that, especially if we're people pleasers or we're perfectionists. We kind of just keep saying yes until we get burnt out and no one wants to be burnt out. And so really I wrote the book to go, you know what, there's a better way than feeling the juggle, the struggle all the time. There's a better way to do this. And here are some truths that you probably need to hear that are a bit hard hitting. I sent it to someone and they sent me a response back in saying, this book is life-changing. I'm like, oh, it's a bit rich, but I'll take uh, it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And the thing is, part of it is this programming and conditioning that women have around some of the myths or Maz and I will often call them the stories in your head. And the story in your head is that I can't do, you know, a healthy life because I haven't got time. Yeah, exactly. What a load of BS. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you have time to eat, you have time to do a healthy lifestyle. Yeah. And, and the thing is, it's it's about what's stealing your energy. Yeah, that's right. You know, I, I'm showing my age here, but do you remember the TV show called The Jetsons? Oh, yes. Right, okay. So I love The Jetsons. It was like an outer space TV show, and they had a little boy called Elroy, I think. Anyway, for food, they took this pill, a tablet, which had all the nutrients and ingredients and everything that they needed to fill them up and make them feel like they'd eaten a good meal. I would be so happy. If someone created that, for me, I just feel like that's super efficient, especially during the day. You know, I don't want to give up food totally, but I would, would, would not be nice to make the choice, but that's not going to happen. So therefore, you've got to just work out different ways to eat well. Yeah, absolutely. I know. And food is medicine, food nutrition, and food can be, you know, your greatest ally or sometimes your worst enemy. Yes, I know. I know. It's such a struggle, isn't it? And I think... I think that's the thing. But I think if you can use that analogy for what do you take off your plate, that's, you know, super helpful. But, yes, yeah, so the book is out on Audible and it's got a few extra stories in it now because I did it a year after it was launched. And there's quite a bit of me giggling in there because that's who I am. Absolutely. I love it. I love it. So it's called Go Getter on Audible. Go Getter by Emma McQueen. Correct. Go Getter by Emma McQueen. Yep. Excellent. Well, that sounds brilliant because I'm totally into Audible books at the moment. And <laughs> <Are you>? um, <laughs> yes. Well, interestingly, and I know we're rabbiting on a bit here now, but when was that your last retreat when we did the wellbeing wheel? Yes. And we did that with our members this year. And one of my things that I don't do is have any fun. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> well, my fun and leisure were really low, whereas work was really high. And I thought, okay, I've got to change the balance. So actively trying to have some fun. And one of the ways in which I was doing that is I realised that I was just all of my books I was reading were like learning books, you know, yes. personal development and not reading anything for pleasure. So I will definitely be 
downloading your book, although I have a couple of just fun books to read first. Oh, nice. And also sometimes it's good to highlight the book too. Do you know a great book that I read? It's totally off track. But anyway, over Christmas, over summer holidays, I listened to Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey. Ah. Eight hours of Matthew's voice was delicious. Yeah, because he narrates it. And it was such a good read and not anything to do work related it was great anyway i would highly recommend that even though i really like go get up well it's all about balance isn't it it's all about so, balance how else are you getting fun into your life i'm curious now oh so i've started a lot more brighter clothes so i don't buy any black stuff anymore all of my clothes now are bright yes my fancy tea is part of the fun so making sure that's why I don't drink out of chip teacups or chip mugs anymore. It has to be fancy. I've started sing, singing, singing. Which no one, yeah, no one wants to hear because I actually cannot sing. But I like to belt out a tune, which is really makes you feel good and it's fun. But don't you also knit? I mean, that's fun. Oh yeah, knitting. Yeah, yeah. Part of my knitting at the moment is. So I, I did some crocheted hearts, which we send to doctors as part of a caring sort of message. Love that, yeah, love yeah. it. Yeah. Yep. So it is it is lovely, um, but there's sort of a purpose behind it. I'm oh. sort of trying to do some purposeless activities. That's like me and roller skating. It's purposeless, but it's fun. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just, yes, doing something f- just for the fun of it. Oh, you need to follow along because my word for the year is playful. Oh, wonderful. I'm like, yeah. I'm just going to play and be fun and it can be light and doesn't have to be heavy and it's going to be easy breezy and I'm going to love it. (laughs) Oh, beautiful. So people should be looking then at your socials because I know you've got some fun photos coming up. I really do. So can you just remind us of your, uh, where people can find you? Yes. Well, on Insta, I'm Emma R. McQueen, looked for the pink. And on everything else, I'm just Emma McQueen. So connect with me and tell us your story. Tell us what you think about our little chat today. Tell me if I've converted you to meditation. That's what I want to know. (laughs) Absolutely. And I think for those of you, I mean, hasn't Em got a great name, McQueen? We've talked a lot about that in, in Thriving Women. And so we always call her the Queen. And, in fact, her podcast is called Tea with the Queen which, of course, features a teacup. So it's all wonderful. It's all wonderful. It's all on brand. (laughs) It is. It is. It's beautiful. Ems, thanks so much for your chat today. It has been delightful, of course. And um, I think our listeners will have gained some wonderful wisdom. I would highly encourage them to have a look at at your Go Get a Book and to start meditating. Start with a minute a day. If the Queen can do it, anyone can do it. If the Queen can do it, anyone can do it. I wonder if the Queen does really do it. I don't know. Let you know. <laughs> All right, lovelies. Have a wonderful, wonderful week and I'll see you next week. Bye for now. Lovelies, the 12-week mind-body rebalance starts mid-May. If you'd like to get yourself access to a cheeky discount, head over to our website at rlmedicine.com and register for the waitlist. Not only will you get that discount, you'll know the minute the doors open for enrolment and access to exclusive early bird bonuses. See you soon. The information shared on the Real Health and Weight Loss podcast, including show notes and links, provides general information only. It is not a substitute, nor is it intended to provide individualized medical advice, diagnosis or treatment, nor can it be construed as such please consult your doctor for any medical concerns.